Thank you for coming out tonight. I know this is a new rhythm and pattern for us at Good Shepherd um, to worship on Tuesday of the week of Thanksgiving and to have some pie afterward. This is just a moment for us to reflect on those blessings of God. And what does it mean uh, to express our gratitude? We have this story from Luke's gospel that I read earlier, Luke chapter 17. And what's really fascinating about this is there's a connection all the way back to Luke chapter 10. Um, It's a subtle connection, but we see Jesus teaching um, and making an example of the Samaritan. And in Luke chapter 10, we have the parable of the good Samaritan. And the parable of the good Samaritan really drove home the point in Christ's ministry that the most unlikely person could be one who shows us what it means to love your neighbor. The Samaritans, for the faithful Jewish people, were not um, a well-liked group of people. The Samaritans and the Jews had cultural differences. They had religious differences. They had differences in belief. And it was a point of tension in the time that Jesus did ministry. Now, this is Ohio State, Michigan week, right, for some of us. It would sort of be like the rivalry between the Buckeyes and the Michigan Wolverines. They didn't like each other. Um, There was a tension there. And Jesus is so adept to teaching his disciples and all of those that would listen through the lens of helping people understand, again, a kingdom concept about God's reign of love and justice through unfamiliar people. The unlikely hero of the story for the Jews would be the Samaritan. And in Luke 10, we know that the Levite sees the man in the ditch in the road and he passes by on the other side. The priests see the person in need and they pass by on the other side. It's the Samaritan, the unlikely hero that draws close to the person in need, who cares for him. All of this is teaching us that the unlikely person has something to teach us about what it means to love your neighbor. And then in Luke 17, we hear about a Samaritan again, who's the only one of the ten lepers to turn back and to give thanks to Jesus for the healing that he's received. And we're actually told that this Samaritan leper worships and loves Jesus. In other words, in these two stories, Luke 10 and Luke 17, Jesus is showing his disciples that the unlikely person can fulfill the greatest commandment God has given. What is the greatest commandment when Jesus is asked? Say it louder. Love the Lord your God with all of your heart, all of your soul, all of your mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. So twice in Luke's gospel, the Samaritan is a living example of what it means to love God, worship God, worship Jesus, and love your neighbor. We know that these 10 lepers had a life that was unbearable. Leprosy, thank goodness, because of medicine and advancements, 
uh, is no longer a, a wide-scale problem in our world today. And I won't go into the details of leprosy because we're going to eat pie in a few moments, and I doubt you want me to go into the details of leprosy before we eat. But it was a literal and figurative death sentence. Leprosy in biblical times would eventually result in your death. It was uncurable. But before you would die physically, you died a social death. You died a religious death. You, you experienced the death of community. In fact, you had to live outside the walls of any town or city. And as people would pass by you, you had to yell out to the people passing by, unclean, unclean, unclean so as to not contaminate the people passing by. And we're told in Luke 17, Jesus with his disciples is headed along the road toward Jerusalem. And this group of 10 lepers call out to Jesus, not because Jesus is necessarily this figure they know can bring healing. They're calling out like they had to for everyone that passed by. But Jesus does what Jesus always does. He sees the people in need. We're told he sees them and Jesus draws close and gives them instructions to go to the priests and to show yourselves. And so they go. And it's just the one who gives us this beautiful pattern of gratitude. The first thing that we can notice about this one leper compared to the other nine, is that along the way, as they're traveling, they are made well. They receive this healing along the way. But the one notices. And I think that's often how gratitude works in our life. Things jump out to us. Things can happen to us. But we have to notice them. The small things in our life for which we have to be grateful. And this leper notices the healing that he's received. And after he sees what's happened, he stops. Far too often, I don't stop when those little God moments happen in my life to reflect. So the leper sees, he stops, and then he changes direction. He takes time away from his instructions to go to the priest and he returns to Jesus. And the next thing he does is he worships him. Before the leper even says thank you or shows gratitude, he gives worship to Christ. He praises who God is. And Jesus then invites him to stand, to rise up, this beautiful resurrection image. And it's then that the leper says thank you. And the man is sent along his way. I think this is a beautiful pattern for us um, that reminds us of what it means to practice gratitude. We're invited, like the leper, to have eyes wide open, looking for the things that we can be grateful for. Gratitude and reasons to be grateful are all throughout our lives, but I think that sometimes we just don't have the perspective to see them. I am far too guilty of seeing the dishes in the sink or the toys the kids have gotten out and thinking, oh, something to clean, something to pick up. Do I have eyes to see and reframe it 
away from, ah, a mess, and instead to see dishes that represent food that was on them an hour before, food that's now in my body and in the bodies of my family members, toys. Instead of seeing a mess on the floor, do I have eyes to see that those toys represent little hands that won't be little for very long, that can play with them and laugh and be joyous. So often in life, the things that we think are burdens are actually connected to our blessings. A flat tire in my car simply represents a vehicle that we have to drive. A medical bill that we get in the mail simply reflects medical care we've received. So often our burdens simply point back to our blessings. And it's not to downplay or to gloss over the things through which we truly struggle in life. But like the leper, can we actually see and look at our lives through the lens of gratitude. And when we have those still small moments where we have this divine inspiration that maybe we have something to be grateful for, do we actually take the time to stop, to pause, to worship God, to recognize that everything we have, the breath in our lungs, even on the days when we're most exhausted, most frustrated, most stressed out is still a gift that we have breath in our lungs. There are things in our lives that we could, be, we could name to God every single day for which we can be grateful. But I know that after tonight, after worship, and after a great time of pie, we're going to get into our cars and go back to our homes, and we're going to return to piles of laundry and dishes and sinks and to-do lists and bills that are piled up. The real challenge for us is to live each day with an attitude, a posture of gratitude. So tonight, what I want to do is just take a minute, about 60 seconds or so, and invite us to sit in almost silence. (laughs) A little bit of noise is okay. Don't stress out. And I just want you to sit Because in the world we live in, we rarely have time to just sit. And as you sit, I invite you to think about all of those things in your life right now that feel stressful, feel overwhelming, feel insurmountable. And I want you to just entertain the thought of how all of that stress and anxiety and turmoil is also at the same time connected in some way to a gift. This is the paradox of our faith. So take a moment to reflect. Reflect.